the dad business. And here is your host, Nigel T. Best. Hey everyone, welcome to The Dad Business. It's me, Nigel T. Best, and I just wanted to put this little intro just before the uh, today's interview with the amazing Mr. Casanova Brooks. I mean, what a name, Casanova. What a head start in life you get with a name like that. But I just wanted to say it's a little bit of a longer episode, but that's because... You know, I was just fascinated listening to his life experiences, what he'd done, his thoughts on being a dad, being in business. And there's so many good things that uh, kind of confirm maybe what we're doing that someone else thinks like that. And also some things that I thought were really good. Listen out for his little tip on emailing your kids. I love it. Anyway, enjoy the episode. Let's go over and listen to it now. But first of all, yeah. a huge, huge thank you for uh, uh, wanting to appear on The Dad Business. This is fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm excited to be here. I, I definitely, I, I see what you're doing. I see the movement and I love that you're, you know, really trying to showcase and spotlight dads who are out there that are not only, you know, making a change in their family, but at the same time making a change in their own life and business as well. So I love it and I'm very very glad to be able to be on the show hey well thank you and first of all um i've got to say your name what a name i mean that is a fantastic name isn't it no one's going to forget you are they i hope not i i definitely (laughs) hope not and i appreciate the kind words on it you know my mom she definitely tried to give me the upper hand so i really appreciate her oh yeah that's definitely uh one nil to your mom against the rest of the world there giving you that name because i mean it's one of these things when you're in business you've got to you've got to have something to be known by and and whether it's your name or anything else it's a great head start isn't it yeah for sure no i love it all right so it's helped me out quite a bit yeah i bet it has i bet it has um okay for those who may not know you and that might be uh a, a number of people out there uh, because um, I think most of my listeners are UK-based, but I'm hoping to get to the other side of the pond, and this is this is why it's great to have a chat with you. Um, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Casanova Brooks, I mean, who is the man? Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, so I am a speaker. I'm a now newly published author. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a real estate consultant. So first and foremost, I would like to say that I think that when when you ask who I am, I'm really just a storyteller. And I, I've really, you know, started to ask myself that same question, who am I? Because a lot of the times when we are growing these businesses, when we have these families, you get so caught up in wanting to help so many people and serve so many people. So you start to really ask yourself, well, who am I? And first off, I definitely am a father and a husband. I have two uh, beautiful children, an eight-year-old boy, soon to be, very, very soon to be, and then also have a 13-month-old daughter. So both of them take up a lot of my time. My son's big into sports and basketball, and my daughter's just started to walk, so she's everywhere, and she's super independent. And then for me, though, I would say growing up, uh, I was always a believer. So when I first grew up, I grew up in inner-city Chicago in Illinois, so in, in, in the U.S. here, we're in Chicago, Illinois, very, very big The Windy City. city. The only thing I know about Chicago is probably Al Capone and the Windy City. 
Um, and and it's very, it. very windy there, especially this <laughs> time of year. Ooh. Yes. Very windy. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up with a single mom, inner city Chicago, and uh, my grandma kind of stepped in to, to help my mom a little bit of the way because my dad was never around. And for me, I started at a very early age, I would say around the age of eight or nine, where I started to pump gas for people who were coming out of the gas station. And I would just pump their gas and hopefully they would give me some type of a tip. So this was my way of first getting started into entrepreneurship. And from there, I've tried, I would say, different, probably around 16 or 17 different businesses. And it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot of lessons. But more importantly, I've learned, you know, the power of building relationships. And so for me, I'm a storyteller and I'm a relationship builder at the core of really who I am. Hey, do you know, that's that's fascinating. And there's so many things there that you've you've touched on and what have you that I'm sure a lot of people will, will kind of associate themselves with. It will resonate with them uh, and they'll want to know a little bit more. So I'm going to try and dig a little bit deeper on some of them. I love the phrase that you say that you're a believer what would you say you're believing in? Is it you or is it something else? Yeah, first and foremost is definitely believing in me. Uh, I, I knew from early on that I had big dreams. I had big goals and I knew that I had to, you know, dare to stand out while the rest of the world is, is constantly looking to fit in. And that's not something that's very easy for anyone because that means that you have to be vulnerable. And so the belief in myself that I can make any dream come true as long as I'm persistent, as long as I put the work in, that's exactly what I've always focused on. And so the reason why that's so big for me is because growing up, uh, my family never owned a house, a car, a business, so I didn't have a foundation. I didn't have the blueprint on exactly how I was going to get from point A to point Z. But I believe that, again, if I just continuously showed up for those around me, for my family, for my friends, that eventually it would all work out and the universe would conspire to make whatever my dream or goal is to be able to come true. Now, that's that's a hell of a thing to say you always felt that there was something big inside you because you must have been in a situation there where it felt like everything was against you and that it was going to be even harder to get out. Who who would you say was your inspiration then? Who told you? Someone must have told you stories. So you say you're a storyteller. Someone must have been telling you stories to make you believe that there was something more. The universe was out there. It was going to help you. Who, who was that person, do you reckon? So... Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting, you know, uh, question. And I would say, for me growing up, I always heard that I could be anything that I wanted to be. My parents never had financial, you know, backing to be able to support me that way. But emotionally, they always supported me to say, you know, you can be whatever. And I think many of teachers and people who tried to mentor me at a young age also told me the same thing. The only trouble that I kept running into or the only obstacle was they weren't doing something that I wanted to do. So people would say, you know, Casanova, you could be whatever it is that you want to be. And I'm like, OK, but how do I become that? You know, and what is it that I can be? And so that still left me lost for the most part. But what I started to see was I was always dreaming bigger. And so I was reading things like the Forbes magazine at a very early age. I was watching TV shows like VH1's The Fabulous Life Of. Have you ever seen that show by chance? No, 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 no. That's So what's that? Is that um, some sort of aspirational thing? How the other half? Yeah, so have you ever seen like MTV Cribs, which was around like 10 years ago? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So that was like VH1's the TV show. It was like VH1's version of MTV Cribs. And so okay. they would show guys like Richard Branson. They would show Mark Cuban. They would show Bill Gates. They would show all of these high-end, wealthy, wealthy celebrities that had yachts and big mansions and everything that they were doing in their lifestyle now. And I was like, wow. So as a young kid, it really just kept me being a dreamer. So I was like, wow, okay, I can get there one day. And so because I had other people who would always say, you know, you could be whatever it is that you want to be, it just kept my my aspirations. It kept my my wheels, my motor turning to say, you know what, I'm going to get there one day. And I believed it because I saw other people there. So it was, it was kind of like that what they see is what they'll become, if you've ever heard that saying. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have. I mean, that's... So even though these people were already wealthy and they didn't know me, for me, I, I didn't... I was such a young kid that I didn't know, you know, that those people don't know me. All I saw was that if they had it, it was possible for me to have it too. Wow. Now, one of the weird things is I've spoken to a number of people um, and their father was quite a negative influence. Some who their father was a positive influence and some where they just kind of observe what their dad did and either copied it or chose to do the opposite with you not having your dad around did you feel were you aware that you were kind of missing out on something or was it was it not a big issue for you yeah so to be honest i think early on i definitely wanted my dad I, i wish that he was there you know, but where I came from in, in the city and that I was in, in the neighborhood that I was in, many people didn't have their dads. No, it felt like none of my friends really had their dads. So I didn't feel like I was I was losing out all the time because my immediate friends didn't have it. But when you see on TV and you see other people who had their dads, I was like, yeah, I did definitely feel like I was at more of a loss that way. But the one thing that I will say is that I had my grandma. And so my grandma stepped in and she was definitely an authority figure in my life and she still is. So she tried to fill as much of the gap as possible. Plus, I had an uncle um, who is still a great mentor for me and he tried to fill in where he could as well. So I would say that at some points, I definitely longed for a father, you know, but I had enough people around me to always take my mind off of that. So I didn't dwell or figure like, woe is me. It was still always me trying to strive for something better and me trying to prove that I could still make it out regardless if I had a father or not. Do you know your enthusiasm and positiveness is, is coming through so strongly and I, I feel that it wouldn't have mattered if you'd had 10 dads or minus 10 dads. I kind of get the feeling that you'd have you'd have done something special anyway because you seem to have other people around you to keep encouraging you. But in terms of having had that as your childhood, so one of the things that I, I love to find out a little bit more, um, it's whether people want to repeat the experience they had with or without their dad or, or they want to do the total opposite. So what are your feelings now for your kids and being a dad and being around? Yeah, great question. So for me, absolutely, I want to do the total opposite because I know while I did have all these ambitions and dreams, I really wish that I would have had someone else who taught me the proper way to be a man. And I think my uncle tried to fill in the void as best as possible he as he could. And I think he did do a great job. But as we could probably agree and understand that it's not the same. So for me, I've always since day one and I knew and, and luckily I was blessed enough to have my son first. So 
so it really gave me the blueprint, the mindset to know what I didn't want. And what I mean for, by that is I never wanted my son to feel lonely. I never wanted my son to feel like that he was going into this world and he didn't have any um, he didn't have any mentorship. Right. Because we're always going to make mistakes as fathers, but at least just being there and being able just as much as he's going to learn from me, I'm going to learn so much more from him. And I have on a daily basis. And so being able to have someone that I know that's always watching, watching me, I think that that also helps me to be able to know that I have to keep striving forward no matter what obstacle comes in my way, because I know it's it's, my favorite movie growing up always was The Lion King. And so the fact I don't know if you've seen or not but i think at the end of this year the new lion king's coming out yeah yes uh, i've seen the trailers yeah looks amazing yes and so i'm super excited about it and i'm super excited to take my son but you know I, i put this on my facebook cover page for such a long time but it was a picture of a, a, a male lion and then a cub and it says i always have to keep pushing forward because i know that there's always someone watching me and then and the someone obviously is the cub and i know that my son you know last night i was at a mentorship meeting and and it said and one of the presidents he had said he said you know kids don't do what you say they do what they see you do Absolutely. and so for me that's Yeah, that's what I've just tried to make sure, you know, once it's all said and done, I never wanted my son, if I'm trying to teach him to go out and chase his dreams, to go out and stand out, to be the man that he wants to be, no matter what society is telling him that he has to be, then I have to be able to prove that I've done the same thing, because otherwise he's not going to really believe that it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can you can talk about it till you're blue in the face, but they'll copy, they'll copy what you do. And I don't know about you, but it, it is really quite scary when you see you see your kids um mimicking what you do and you suddenly realize what you're doing and you think "Uh oh i really ought to change that because that's that's not a great thing for them to copy so whether it's sitting down slouched in a chair with the remote control or something you know it is funny how they copy you so you're spot on yeah. there. absolutely um, and, and i love it too because we all want to be a, I think we all want to be a celebrity in someone's eyes. And so when you have that child, whether it's a son or a daughter, and you look at the way that they gaze at you, they you look at the way that every time you walk into the room or you pick them up from school, they run to you, they run to your arms. And it doesn't matter what type of a day that you've had, but the fact that you're there for them at the end of the day, they love it. So, you know, when when I get an opportunity to be a celebrity in my son and my daughter's eyes, it makes me feel like every day is worth it. Oh, that's really nice. What a wonderful thing. I mean, I've, I've got to, I've got to warn you as they get a little bit older. So Matthew is, uh, 17. As they get a little bit older, you know, the, the amount of uh, info that you get back at the end of the day tends to drop off a bit and the enthusiasm wanes a little bit, but it, it's still great to see them. And you're right. Doesn't matter what sort of day you've had. Um, you know, a hug with your kids, it can make it all better again. And, in terms of you and your business then, because one of the things that you, you mentioned right at the beginning was you've got to be careful not to get caught up in things and kind of miss miss those moments. How do you um, sort of, I mean, I know you, you've said author, speaker, a storyteller or, and a real estate person, all these things. How do you manage to fit them all in? Yeah, I, I would say... 
I ask myself this question a lot. And I think that for me, for, yeah, the, the first thing is you have to set the right expectations. Um, and, and what I mean by that is the expectations that you have for yourself. So if you are looking to build a six to seven figure business, you have to understand that you're going to have to make sacrifices and you have to communicate with those around you so they understand that the sacrifices that you're making and why you're making those sacrifices. And so, a mentor of mine that had told me, because I was wondering early on, how do I balance these things? And they said, you know, you can't really balance them because your business will become a part of your life if you're really given everything that you have to this business. So what you have to do is when you have these kids, when you have a wife, when you have other people that really want your time, you have to communicate with them and you have to ask them what is most important to them. So this way you can make sure that you're present because you might not be able and you probably if you're traveling speaker, if you're doing a lot of interviews, if you're always serving other people, you don't want to lose your family in the process of serving someone else. So the way that you can do that is by communicating with your family saying, hey, here's what I'm looking to line up. Do we have any events that I need to be aware of over these next 30 to 90 days? Um, so I can make sure that I'm at those events for you all so I can make sure that I'm in support. So that could be anything. If you're not on top of your calendar thinking that, hey, I also, you know, it might be your anniversary, which God forbid we'd ever want that, right? You shouldn't know your anniversary. But if so, you know, that could just be a way as long as you're communicating and you say, hey, I'm looking at booking this event 90 days out. Is there anything we have going on? Your spouse probably will say, well, you know, we just, especially if it's your wife, well, you know, nope, we, we got our anniversary. You're like, oh, man, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. And, and you can kind of play it off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. So then when you get back to your calendar or when you get back to your schedule, you're saying, okay, what day is my anniversary? So then you could go and say, okay, hey, I can't do it this day, but I can maybe do it the next week or something like that. So I think the biggest thing is first working on communication. If you work on that communication and you set the right expectations to where your family or whoever else knows that I'm giving everything that I have to this business. So I need to communicate with you all and I need you to communicate back with me so I can make sure that I'm available as much as I can be for you all. And so hopefully, does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm nodding and smiling at the same time as, as you're talking there because, uh, yeah, um, communication, trying to coordinate diaries, calendars, and all the rest of it, you're, you're so true. It's so true. And um, should we say uh, there was a minor disagreement as I was trying to work out what was happening on Friday with an appointment that we're both going to go to uh, and what have you. And it, yeah, um, yes, you've got to get that clear and you've got to you've got to let people know what you're trying to do and why in plenty of time. But um, just on the other thing there that you mentioned about anniversaries, a wise person once told me that they said, Nigel, said if ever you're struggling with your remembering your wedding anniversary, just forget it once then you'll never forget it again. And I thought, right. yeah, I like that. I like that. But, uh, right. yeah, I mean, 20, 20 years we've been going unbelievably. Poor, poor Sally. I don't know how she puts up with me. Um, but I've, I've not yet, touch wood, not yet forgotten the anniversary. So that's, that's probably about the only good, good point for me and my diary at the moment. Because it sounds like you are a busy man. You're out and about. Do you do a lot of traveling? 
So I've just started to do more traveling with speaking engagements, and and that's been going fantastic. But for me, I've always been out and about because for the last, or at least these last four years, I'm a real estate agent and investor. So I'm constantly traveling. As an agent, you know, you're always showing houses or you're working on listings, and you're just you're always looking to serve your clients in a better way to make sure that you could stay top of mind. And when you have rental properties, you're also traveling. Like for me, I live on the western side of my city but about 40 minutes is where my rental properties are so sometimes you have to go and you have to check in on them or you might have to do a small task um, as far as the maintenance goes on it depending on what it is and if you can get you know one of your contractors over there so I'm constantly always traveling yes most of the time it's locally but now over these last six months I have started to travel nationally you know for speaking engagements as well so it's all an exciting time and again yeah. just making sure that I have the communication with my family okay so a few things there. exciting times the traveling just a top tip do you listen to other people's podcasts um, or audio books or how do you fill your time when you're traveling yeah, absolutely. So I listen to both of those. I listen. My goal yeah. this year is to step it up and do 40 audiobooks this year. Now, I know I could have went for the 52, but I felt last year I read about 31. And uh -huh. so and and that went really well. And I, just, I found so many fantastic books. But yes, I listen to audiobooks and I also listen to a lot of podcasts as well. Perfect. What's the book that you've got lined up at the moment? What are you listening to? Right now, I'm listening to Trust Me, I'm Lying, and oh. it's about, I don't have you heard of it? Uh, yeah, I think I've seen the headline. I think it's in my wish list, but I haven't yet uh, gone ahead and bought that one. Yeah, so it's a fantastic book. It's a New York Times bestselling, and I think it's by Ryan Holiday, and it's called Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator. And so it's something, normally I'm listening to a lot of like business books or or I'm listening to like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think and Grow Rich, a lot of yeah. books like that to just really keep me inspired, really keep my mind, you know, leveling up every time. But this book right here was a different type of book for me because the world of marketing is changing so much. And especially in the digital stage where we talk about funnels and lead pages and all of these other things of if you just have a website and you're not funneling people the right way, then they it's the the attention span of the average consumer is, is so short that you have to make sure that you're funneling them in and you could stay top of mind with them by con continuously hitting them wherever they are. And so that could be chat bots, that can be, you know, your posts on social media, that can be your email engagement, so many different things of what you could do. So when I started to look at that, I I'd seen a couple people recommend this book. And then I had a couple credits to burn off of uh, audio off of audible and that book just happened to be the first one and so it just stood out to me and i was like let me try and so i just listened to the preview or trailer of it and it i've never had a book and and i've read over the last probably three years i've probably listened to uh over 125 books but i don't know if there's been a book that's captivated me within the first 10 minutes like this book has well i, I don't think you can get a better, better recommendation than that sort of description of it and, and how you feel about it that's fantastic so i will get that out of my wish list and have a listen to that one for sure um in terms of your speaking engagement well i've got a couple of things um don't let me forget i want to know how you managed to go from um 
inner city uh, parent, um, grandma, family with not a great deal of wealth to suddenly being a landlord um, and and that sort of journey. So I want to come back and touch on that. But you're out and about speaking. Tell everyone what you're speaking about. Yes, oh, I appreciate you asking. So my goal is to be able to help other people create a life by their design. So that's what I'm very passionate about. And when people hire me to speak, most of the time it's on one of three things. It's on entrepreneurship, it's on leadership and mindset development, and then it's also on real estate and, and real estate sales. So that's more on the motivational side. But me being a real estate agent, I've also been able to create six figures every year in, um, in over three years of being in. So from my first year to till now, I've created six figures. And why that's significant is because the average real estate agent across the country in their first year, they only do five to six deals. So for my first year, I was able to come out and do 46 deals over $8 million in volume and make six figures. And that was in a brand new city where I had no friends, I had no family, I had no church group, and I didn't know absolutely anyone. So I was really just out hustling. I had to have the mindset and I just come from probably the worst part of my life. And, and at that time, we were also homeless. Um, so it, it was a huge transition for me to be able to hold really on, have on, the mindset. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's just go back. So you've You've somehow managed to, so you're speaking about this and you've managed to do all these deals and you just throw in the bit that you're homeless at the same time. Did I hear you right? Yeah. All right. So how, how does this work? How does this work that you're doing six figures, um, you're doing all these uh, real estate deals and what have you, but you don't have a home yourself? Right. So I guess it would be a little bit more in my story. So growing up, again, inner city of Chicago, raised by a single mom. Then we moved at the end of my sixth grade year in, in school, we moved from Chicago to Sioux City, Iowa. Sioux City, Iowa is a town of about 80,000 people. So the reason why we had moved there is because my cousins had one of my cousins that just graduated college and she um, winds up moving to Sioux City and word gets back around to my family because most of my family were trying to get out of Chicago to be able to give their kids better opportunities. Oh, okay. So the word gets back around. Yeah. Yep. And the word gets back around to my grandma and it says, hey, you know, this is way more suitable for 12 year old boy. Um, so you got to get cast up out of there. So next thing I know, less than two weeks later, I'm on a Greyhound I'm going to check out Sioux City, Iowa. So huge culture change coming from Chicago, where I only saw people that looked like me to now I'm in a diverse city and, and, and things like that. Then um, less than two months later, we are all of our stuff's packed up in a U-Haul and, and we're moving to Sioux City, Iowa, and that's where we're going to, you know, continue life. So there was a big wow. change, but I was fortunate enough that my grandma didn't make that decision because what it taught me was that you, you couldn't go in with the pre-bias in life that if someone didn't look like you, that they had to be against you, they couldn't be with you. Right. And so for me, I grew up with and I was just growing a lot of friends and building a lot of relationships in different places. Well, for me, I was I wound up going to college. I wound up coming back and I still wasn't sure on exactly what it was that I wanted to do in life. So I wound up leaving college after my junior year in college. I was going to the University of Iowa and I wound up leaving after my junior year. My grades were just fine, but I graduated at 17. And there was a lot of pressure on me at the time, just like there are with 
any high school senior because what everyone wants to know is Casanova, what are you going to do next with your life, right? Like, because everybody else is about to go to college. So I'm like, you know what? I, I don't really know what I want to do next with my life. And so I wound up going off to college. Then my junior year, I'd already changed my major four times in three years. And the last I, I finished with the communications is, is where I was. So I started out in business. Then I went to computer science. Then I went to pharmaceutical sales. And uh, then I wound up finishing in, in communication. And the reason why I left is because I really became of the strong belief that just because you had a degree did not mean that you were going to be successful in life. And so that was a big step for me because no one in my family besides my first cousin, who was only nine months older than me, no one in my family had attended a four-year university. And so I was like, oh, so my parents were, they were banking on, you know, me and my, my family was banking on my cousin and I to be able to finish off and get the degrees and, and lead that stepping stone for our family. But it just wasn't in my heart. It wasn't in my cards. So I wound up coming back home and I started to just work jobs and I was working every single job that I could really find and just trying to find my way. Again, no one was giving me anything. And, and I did everything from working at like rent center which is rental furniture and things like that to... You know, I sold Kirby vacuums door to door to I sold shoe. I did it all. I promise you, Nigel. Um, and I was a professional gamer um, for two years. I played poker for a living for two years. Online poker. <laughs> I, I, I promise you, I've done it all. Right. Well, anyway, so then I, so, I, I was just going I was just going down a list of, of sort of potential jobs out there and I'm ticking most of them off. It seems like you've had a, a good go at most things here. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, car sales, I had a lot of success with that. And so that what wound up happening was to, to, you know, shorten up this story. What wound up happening was I was working in car sales. I was working for a big dealership. They had about 23 different locations. Everything was going well. Before I got into cars, just six months um, before that, I was serving tables at a restaurant. And that was going well. Well, that taught me the power of serving other people and building relationships. So much to the fact that the GM of that car dealership, when I went in to buy my car, excuse me, when I went in to buy my car, he saw me and he sent one of my buddies who was selling me the car. He sent him back out and he says, is that Casanova? Ask him if he has any interest in selling cars. And so my buddy comes out. He says, you interested in selling cars? You know, the, the GM wants to know. And I say, no, you know, because I didn't know anything about cars. See, my parents never owned a car growing up. I wasn't the guy who could tell you about a 1972 Nova or anything like that. So I, I turned it down in the beginning. But as all sales managers are, he was very persistent. So he winds up getting me in and, and uh, he wants to talk to me and, and we wind up talking and he says, Casanova, let me ask, what are your goals in life? And at that time, I'd never really done anything significant yet. So I'd said, you know, I just want to make six figures. Why six figures? I didn't know, but that was just felt like the stepping stone to make me, you know, successful. So he's like, you know what? You see those two guys outside of my glass window? And I look back and I say, yeah, he says, both those guys made over 90, uh, or it was three guys, actually. And he says, all three of those guys made over $90,000 last year with two of them making over 110. And he says, he's like, I'm not saying that that's what you're going to do. He was like, but I know potential when I see it. And Nova, you have that potential. And this was just off of like a 45 minute interview. And I was like, wow. So now he's pushing my hot buttons, right? I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. so now mm -hmm. you're, you're talking my language. So I wound up actually going into car sales, working for him, 
all went well. Well, within, what, six months, I got car salesman of the month, two months in a row out of 27 different car salesmen, people who had been there for 10 years. And I was really just hitting the gas and it was great. Well, I started to come across the book at that point, And that book had taught me that I was trading time for money. I couldn't sell a car if I was not at the dealership, right? And so I was like, oh, okay. So this is where I really started to level up. And I knew that, you know, I was reading so many things and they were saying our most valuable asset is our time. You know, on in this on this world, on this planet, the average person lives to now about 70 years old. If you do the math on that, we only have 840 months of life. Why spend it doing something where you're trading your time for money and you're not all in on what you're doing? And I was just like, wow, okay, because I knew that car sales was always a stepping stone. Right. Well, rather than prolong it for me. I took that next opportunity and I jumped in. So I, we wound up, I got a job opportunity. I was doing some network marketing on the side for a company called Amway. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Amway. It's a big, uh, big company. Yeah, I've heard of Amway, but um, yeah, never been involved with it or anything. Yep. So it's just network marketing. And I was wound up doing that. And so they wanted me to get down to Omaha, which wasn't too far from Sioux City. They wanted me to get down there and uh, and kind of be more so around that team. And, and they would help me get a job, which they did. And I wound up working as a digital marketing consultant. And this was a Fortune 500 company that was known for the yellow pages, but they were transitioning into digital marketing because they were losing so many customers because everybody was transitioning into websites and search engine optimization and everything else. So they wound up bringing me on and uh, within nine months, I finished as number eight in the entire company for inside sales, um, made the most money in our entire center. And uh, that was a new opportunity for me. And so what I learned in that role and the reason why I left is because I learned that in the corporate world, everybody could tell you no, but it seemed like no one could tell you yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was for me, that was I was like, oh, my because they they wanted me to lead all these like um uh, emerging leader groups and all of these other mentor groups and help other people you know create the results that I had done but when I said hey I would like you know management I would like new opportunity new challenges everyone was like oh nova well you know you're just not there yet or you know we don't have a spot for this yet and so I was like I got burnt out on it really on it really fast because I knew the amount of energy and effort that I was putting in but I was not getting the rewards back out of the energy that I was putting in So from there, yeah, I I just I wanted to figure out what could I do to control more of my time. And that's how real estate kind of comes into the the picture, because friends of ours right around that same time, they had just bought a home here in Omaha and they're they're like, hey, you know, you should you you should look into uh, getting into real estate is what the gal says. And and my wife's like, yeah, I tell him that all the time. He talks about real estate all the time, but he never listens to me. And I'm like, no, like, that's not it at all. It's just I didn't know anything about real estate. Just like before I didn't I got in, I didn't know anything about marketing or digital marketing or yellow pages or even cars before that. And so I was like, uh, well, my wife, she like a couple days later, she was persistent on me as she always has been. And she says, you know, hey, you really need to just go and check it out because every day you're starting to go to this job and and you're not really feeling it. So if you don't go see what it's like, you're always going to wonder what if and and I don't want you living miserably. And so I was like, okay. so I went and checked it out. um, Fast forward to get my license. And then um, my thought is I'm going to double dutch it like like jumping rope. 
And so what I mean by that is I'm going to be halfway in, halfway out, and I'm going to work a full-time W-2 job just until I can get enough income coming in from real estate. And then I'll transition out of that W-2 and go full-time real estate. Well, the significant portion of what happens during this time is my mom and grandma reaches out to me and they say, hey, you know, there's nothing left here in Sioux City for us. We would love to move to Omaha and be closer to you, Julie, who's my wife, and and CJ, who's my son. And I say, of course, you know, let's set it up. We'll find you an apartment. So we find an apartment about a month later. We move him down here. Well, my mom... Uh, my mom winds up having complications that night and she winds up going to a hospital here in Omaha, Nebraska. Within a week and a half stretch, I lose my mom at that hospital. Oh, no. So that's very Yeah. So it was a very significant time because what was even worse about this is my grandma was still here in Omaha and my grandma had lived with my mom for 40 of her 50 years. So for my grandma, it was worse than just losing a daughter. It was like she lost a companion. Right. And so she was very distraught and devastated. And so I was like, like, now I got to figure out how I can, you know, help my grandma out, how I can mentally be strong for her. And um, so at this time as well, I was transitioning out of inside sales with a new job that was doing outside sales and I was helping people with their payroll. And so this is the way that I felt that I would be able to have more of my time to prospect for real estate because inside sales, I was inside, you know, of an office eight to five all day long. So at six o'clock, like I couldn't do open houses at six o'clock and I couldn't get off the clock. So this way it would give me more time. So they had a training early on and it was in Rochester, New York. So I had to go to this training for uh, just about a week, a little over a week. Well, my mom is at the hospital, but we were in the process of buying a house. And so for me to even continue with this job, since I was so new, I had to go to Rochester and do this training. So I didn't want to go in the beginning, but the nurse, my grandma and my wife was like, hey, we got your mom. You know, it's going to be OK. She's doing a little bit better, slowly but surely. And I'm like, OK. And, and, and I had to go because otherwise we wouldn't I wouldn't have had a job. So I couldn't close on the house. Well, three days into the training, my mom's doing better. She's everything's going well. I'm talking to her daily. And then, you know, just as we all know, on the inside, you can't see. And, and she wound up I want she wound up passing. Right. And so I get that phone call that day after like training's over and, and it says that mom's gone. And of course, I'm devastated now because I'm the only child and I have to go back to Omaha, take care of all the funeral arrangements, do everything else. Well, my manager had said, hey, you know, now that this is done, we need you to go back to Omaha or we need you to go back to Rochester, New York. And I said, you know, with all due respect, my grandma, my wife, my son, they need me right now. I can't go back right now. And she's like, I get it, Casanova. And I really want to help you. But this is something that's mandatory since it's such a fortune, you know, 500, or this is another fortune 500 company, but everything that they do, like you have to go through these procedures. And I'm like, you know what? I got my real estate license. If you can just allow me to put in a three week notice that um, I, I, I'll, you know, I'll be enclosed on my house by this time. I have my real estate license. I'll be just fine, you know, and, and she's like, okay, I'll, I'll help. Let's go ahead and put in a three-week notice. We'll turn it into the corporate in Rochester. So we put in that. Well, I don't know. It, do you, I don't know what the, the, the laws are like over, you know, in, in, cause you're in London, right? Or Great Britain. Yeah. I'm in uh, England. Yeah. 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 A place, a place so, called Leeds. So I'm about 200 miles north of London. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Great. So what here in the U.S., basically, before you get a home loan, the day of closing or the day before closing, they re-verify that you have a job. They re-verify your employment. Okay, and so yeah. at this, so what had happened for me was student loans, my university loans that came up and they wanted additional documentation, which came up about two days prior to us closing. So from there, my, they, they wound up falling for the or filing to try to get the documentation, everything they needed, but it pushed back my closing until that following Monday. That Friday was the last day of my three-week notice, and the closing was that Monday. So then when they went to re-verify my employment on that Monday, they called you know the company, and the company says, yeah, as of Friday, that was his last day, so he no longer works here with us. So now oh, I have no mom, oh, I have no job, and I lose my home loan, so I have no house, and we had already put in our 30-day notice, so we were slated to be out that day, you know, um, from this apartment that we were living in. Wow. So at this time, no house, no no car, or no nothing, um, and, and it was a very, very trying time, so her aunt who we didn't talk to too much but her aunt wound up saying hey you all could come sleep here you know and live in my basement until you can get back onto your feet and so she had a one bedroom in her basement and then she had a huge storage utility room which is just like concrete blocks and and the furnace and the air conditioner and things like that um on the inside the hvac and so uh we wound up doing that for a whole year we gave my son the bedroom and my wife and i we slept in that unfinished utility room and i just grinded real estate on the side until we were able to save up enough you know to get a down payment and then we bought our own home and uh yeah that's the story of of how i transitioned from that to to where i am now did you ever during that process have a feeling that it wasn't going to work out for you um, great question. I think, yes, I would be lying if I, if I said I didn't. Not so much that it wasn't going to work out, but, but the thought of just like, I don't know how much more I can take, right? I felt like I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, but still pushing to do the work every single day and continue to show up every single day without complaining because everybody else already has that. Because you have to, you have people like to do business with people who are already doing business. And it's about your appearance of how you showcase that you're doing. It's about your the energy that you give off. So if so if I allowed people to know that I was living in a basement or that I just lost my mom and I'm coming with that negative energy, like you said earlier, if I'm bringing that into my transactions, into my meetings, my relationships with these potential clients or leads, they would have been able to sense that and they wouldn't have felt that I was the solution to help them get their goal, which is buying or selling their home. So I had to make sure that I had my game face on every single day. So did I feel like it wasn't going to work? No, I wouldn't say that, but I felt like I didn't know how much more I could take. And that's where my support system, my surroundings, these audiobooks, these podcasts, everything came in to show me that, hey, someone else has shown that it's possible and someone else with your exact same cards have taken it and ran with it. And maybe not the exact same, but very close to it. So either you're going to man up or you're going to get rolled over. Yeah, I think that's such a powerful message. So for anyone listening out there who feels that everything is is not quite coming together at the moment, 
do surround yourself with those positive messages. Do get inspiration from people that have been there. Um, reach out to people as well who can say, hey, yeah, yeah, I know exactly where you are, how you're feeling. You, you just got to keep going. Believe me, you'll turn the corner. It's all those things that sometimes people just give up on too, too quickly, too easily. Um, and I, I think there's far more help out there. I know one of your key things is to help people build relationships and, and, and support them and what have you. And I think sometimes, I don't know, um, blokes, men, we're, we're not very good at asking for help sometimes. But the weird thing is there's often an awful lot of help out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what it takes also being a dad, being the, the strong person when it comes to your family is making sure that you could still show vulnerability and, yeah. and, and asking for help is a big way to do that. Yeah. Now, a couple of things cropped up there. Um, did you actually complete your university? Did you? I did not. Right. Okay. If... Okay, when it comes around to um, CJ, what's your daughter called? My daughter's name is Jada. Jada. So if Jada or CJ got to university, and a big shout out to CJ because uh, I'm sure, well, I hope he'll, he'll listen to this one. Hi, CJ. How are you doing? Uh, just talking to your dad at the moment, and he'll explain all about it, I'm sure. But if CJ or Jada uh, came to you, and they'd gone to university and they said, I want to drop out. How, how do you think you would react? I think I would be very supportive of them. The reason being is, well, it, it would depend, right? And, and, but I would be supportive of no matter what their decision is. But I would ask them the question of why. And for me, when some people say universities or colleges, should you go to them? I always say, yes, you want to get that knowledge and you want to get the discipline. But I'll, I am a very big proponent of starting out at a smaller university or community college that we have here in the U.S. Because that will allow you to make sure that this is something that you want to do because college debt is sinking so many people and and i was one that when i got done i had forty thousand dollars in student loans and i didn't even complete my degree so i wish that you know i didn't allow the pressure to get to me and i really i would have really sat back and really analyzed what it is that i want to do because for my kids i will tell them that college or university might not be the next step what might be the next step is you is them going to a trade school or them, you know, starting their own business or whatever it might be. And I think that you, I always, I always say to my friends and family for CJ, I will not push him to go to college and he won't spend my money to just go to college, even though I will help him if he wants to. So what do I mean by he won't spend my money? If, he, if he's just going to college to get a, a degree in communications, we know that nowadays you don't need a degree to do so many things when it comes to communication. You could start up your own YouTube channel. You could teach people lots of things. You could drive traffic. There's a lot of things that you can do. Now, if he tells me that he wants to be a doctor, he wants to be an attorney, he wants to be a um, something that requires you know, the level playing field to be an MBA or something that requires to have a master's or a bachelor's, then yes, I'm going to help him, you know, as long as he's proven to me that he's also 
doing the steps of what it takes. So if he has a part-time job, plus he's in intramurals and, and he's really engaged into his university and helping other people, but so he just doesn't have the time to work full-time and create the extra money, then yeah, he could come to me and I'm going to help him. But, but if I see all the time he's on whatever social media site at the time is around and he's constantly got pictures of him drinking and everything else, I get it. You want to have fun. But at the same time, if that's the case, then you got to understand that the real world is going to come sooner rather than later. And just like if dad wants to go have fun right now, I got to create that income to do it. You have to do the same thing. Yeah, true. I mean, it, it's interesting when you, I mean, I, I'm very much the same. So for me and uh, my three boys, it, it's always a case of, uh, I just want them to have as many opportunities open to them as possible. I'm not too bothered which one they choose but their working life is quite a long chunk of your time and you've got to just pick something I think that you, you're going to enjoy. You're going to want to get out of bed um, in the morning. You're going to want to go out and do it, whatever it is. And I just want them to make the right choice. But when you said there, if they said that they wanted to leave and you said, well, I'd ask the question, why? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. Now, to me, I'm not too bothered what they tell me is the reason why. Um, and what do I mean by that? I don't need to understand why, because that, that's fine. What I think is really useful for one of your kids is if you ask them why, if they actually say the reason that's in their head out loud, sometimes as they're saying it, you know that they suddenly realize, actually, that's not the greatest of reasons and that's pretty weak. And sometimes they'll give up on that. I'm going to quit mentality and they'll actually go, actually, it's not as bad as I was thinking it was in my head. And now that I've actually said it to you, I'm almost having to justify to myself why I want to leave. And actually, there is no justification. And sometimes they just carry on of their own accord. And I don't know if that's some sort of reverse psychology or something. So sometimes if someone says why they want to leave and you blow up in their face, they want to leave even more. Whereas if you just let them try and justify it to themselves almost, they kind of, I don't know, sometimes those decisions they backtrack on, which I don't know what you think about that, but, you know, I've, I've noticed it. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. When you just, it, it's like more being a coach, right? When you coach, yeah. you ask people yeah, yeah. the questions yeah. that they, you know, can find within themselves, whereas being obviously a consultant, you're going to tell people the answers and you're going to give them suggestions. But when you're coaching them, which we are the highest of level coaches to our children, at least for the time being until they become grown. But even then, if you have a solid relationship with your child, they're going to see you as their coach. And so asking those questions to get them to think about it themselves is definitely the most important part. And so when I say, yeah, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm on a double-sided fence on this. And the only reason why I say that is because sometimes if you ask them why and, and they start to thinking about it, just like you said, it could be a reverse psychology. So now they've talked themselves out of maybe quitting. And when we say the quitting word, I understand that there's all, if you want to do something, like I, I'm always going to ask and I always do ask my son, what is it that you want to do? And right now, the answer, because he hasn't experienced very much, is I don't know. But as he gets older and he gets exposure to so many more things, sports, uh, you know, school activities, everything, he'll tell me what it is that he wants to do. And so for most people, they get so fearful of saying that, like, they, they don't want to do something because they're going to be labeled a quitter. But my thought is, 
again, we only have 840 months on this life. So do what it is that you're happy with. If you think of anything that it is that you want to do, most of the time it's it's the, the mental block in your head as to why you can't do it. If you asked a hundred thousand people who like Starbucks and they say and and you say, Hey, if I could pay you to, you know, drink Starbucks all day and um represent Starbucks and listen to other people's stories, would you do that? Most people would say, yeah, but then when you ask them, is that something you've ever dreamed of? I would say 80% of them would probably say, yeah, but why have they never pursued it? Mm, Because they they feel like that that's not a real job, right? They feel like society has told them that they, they need to offer labor in exchange for their value. But then I would ask you, what does Oprah do? What does Ellen do? What does Tim Ferriss do? What are we currently doing? And you have this show right now, great show, all these guests, as you start to drive traffic and as you start to serve more people and as you start to be the voice that a lot of people want to hear, you know, and and you're really giving value, you'll find ways that more people will bring you whatever it is that you want, whether that's money, whether that's more of your freedom and time, whatever it might be. So I think that nowadays people have to understand that the power is in finding out exactly what you want to do. And you don't have to feel like that you're a quitter just because you found something that you don't want to do. Yeah. So good. So true. I I love that. I mean, one of the things um, that when you do this and and you realize, uh, as you say so clearly, we've only got a certain amount of time in our lives. uh, And that's if we're blessed with, you know, getting 70, 80 years of it. Um, and, and it's what do you spend that time on? How do you spend it correctly? And a lot of people go into business for themselves on the basis that it's going to give them the freedom to choose the time. So you're not going to be, you mentioned earlier, working eight till five. You didn't have a lot of time to get out and about. And this combination of trying to run a business as well as having kids, you've got some very precious moments when your kids play uh, a match or something or they're in a they're doing music recitals or concerts or a play or all these things that go on at school and what have you. And one of the things that I've been lucky enough in sort of running your own business is you can turn up to the sidelines and you can watch a game. Uh, you can go to these events. And what I've noticed in this is it's such a small number of the possible parents that could go that actually turn up to these things. And it's, it's almost the same people every time. And we're lucky to be able to choose to be able to do that. I don't know. Do you feel, um, you know, these moments only come around your kids grow up so fast and what have you. Do you feel that that would be a, a reason in itself to start your own business? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and those, those memories that you get at the end of the day, that's once you, once you are, in your final, and I don't want to say final stages, but once you're on your last lap, right? And that could be 10 years or that could be five years or whatever it is. And, and you could be 90 years old. The one thing that you're, the only thing that you're going to have, you're not going to worry about the money, right? You're going to worry about the memories. You're going to, every day when you sit down in your chair, or you watch TV or you sit at your desk, you know, and you're going to think about those memories. And hopefully you have pictures and videos to be able to help you jog some of those memories. But you'll think, oh, I remember it was that, it was so cold that day, you know, and I didn't want to go, I didn't want to take him to that practice or I didn't want 
want to take him to that game or I didn't want to take her to that recital, but she absolutely wanted to go. And, and I remember the look on her face when she was done and, and, and all these other things. So that's what I strive for is to make sure that I understand that it's not about me. Right. When we're young, we understand that it is about us or we think not understand, but we think that it is all about us. But as we get older, we understand that it's more about the people who are coming after us and the memories that we've created with those around us, because in the end, the memories are all we're going to have. So I think that that's very important. And the way that you start to get more of your time back is by leveraging systems and leveraging being your own boss. Because then you have the control, a, a lot more control. Because if you're starting up a small business, yes, for those first couple of years, you have to make sacrifices again. Your communication has to be that much more. But if you're doing it right and you balance yourself with systems and the right people around you that can help take some of that off of your plate to give you more time back, it allows for you to be able to create more memories. And you don't have to ask anyone, you know, can I go to this recital or can I go to this soccer game? Because I think that's where half the people aren't able to go as well somebody else dictates their time yeah so true so true i mean one of uh, you mentioned it you know the the sad circumstances of your mother passing you weren't in control of your time now that could have happened even if you were doing your own business and you were on a speaking gig or something like that but it, it definitely it's those moments where we don't feel totally in control of being able to make the decision because if you did make that decision, the ramifications further down the line make you kind of make the wrong sacrifice sometimes. So, yeah, I, I really I really do feel that, um, you know, those people that run fortunate enough to or maybe courageous enough to give it a go and running their own business, you do have these, um, you can exchange it for these wonderful memories. And my eldest, Matthew, uh, I'm sure he won't be listening to the podcast, but you never know. But I always say to him when he when we sort of say, "Come on, let's go out and do something," uh, and the other two boys, um, Oliver and Jamie, are happy to go out. And Matthew says, "Oh no, I'll, I'll stay at home." I've said to him numerous times. I said, "Look, Matthew, come on, it it'll be a memory." He said, "Yeah, it'll be rubbish, and I won't enjoy it." I said, "Yeah, but sometimes those memories of where things go wrong or you hate it." are the ones where you laugh about it in later life. And I said, your life is made up of memories. And as you say, when you reflect back on it, it's those things that stand out. Too many days, if you're not careful, all merge into one and you don't remember them. So you've got to, it's the extremes that we tend to remember, isn't it? The ups and downs, the uh, the roller coaster effect and, and the boring bit, it, it kind of gets forgotten, doesn't it? It absolutely does. You're 100% right. Oh, I tell you, I tell you one other thing. I don't know if you do this, um, but I, well, Sally can't believe it. I'll keep ticket stubs, little receipts, little notes, or something when we go somewhere. A little brochure, um, a little pamphlet, uh, a piece of paper with some details on it, whatever. And I kind of, I, they're just in piles and what have you. And every so often, I have to clear some of this out. And as I'm going through it, every one of those triggers a memory of something and some of which I'd kind of forgotten and then you kind of sit down and you you talk about it and you remember it and so I, I don't know I, I know she gets a bit fed up with me at times for collecting what she regards as rubbish but to me they're little uh, memory keys that uh, just unlock uh, a, a good little memory and a, a, another story so I don't know do you keep anything like that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I good, um, good. I'm not on my own. <laughs> right? No, you're 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 definitely not on your own. And one thing that we do is we have Google Photo albums, shared albums, and so this was something that we've done and for what ever since CJ's been born, and we have a Google Photo album. But there's so there's two parts of this. First off, what we do is we have an email account for both of our children, and so at least once a month. Um, we try to go in and write them an email, right? Because this is what they'll see in the future. So in case anything was to ever happen, and rather than them having to say, hey, your dad would have been so proud of you or your dad loved this about you or whatever, I can actually speak it to my son or my daughter and tell them why I'm proud of them and so they have those memories. And so we love that. And then the second part is we have Google photo albums. And so what we do is we share that with family all, you know, wherever they are. And there's probably about 10 to 12 people who have access to them. But um, what we do is every time we take a picture, whether it's Christmas, birthday, whatever, we upload it into that shared photo album. So they'll have access to it one day to be able to see it. Because when you go on to Facebook or, you know, any of those, and, and if it's your child's birthday or whatever, most of the time, especially if your child is not 12 years or older, everyone goes on there and says, happy birthday to so-and-so. But that person's most likely not going to see that because they're not going to go back through their parents' You know, yeah. so it's really about yeah, just, yeah. you know, giving that support to the parents to say, hey, we appreciate your family or, you know, good luck. But, you know, tag it's not like the parents are going to read it and the kids are not going to know. So this is the way that we do that. Anytime they have pictures, any any baseball, any basketball dance, we always put this in their own photo album. Because one other thing that happened for me was my mom and grandma, which is like two or three years ago, my mom and grandma, um, yeah, this was right before they moved to Omaha, so probably about six months before. Their home, actually, their apartment caught on fire, and oh, so man. it burned up everything. And so my grandma lost all of her photo albums, and she had probably a good eight to ten photo albums full of, fo full of photos. And so that was all of her memories. So this way that, you know, I put it on there yeah. because we just yeah. have an opportunity to make sure that our children always see it. And it doesn't matter if something gets burned up or anything like that. We still have the memories. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving that email idea. I think that's great. I think there'll be quite a few people that listen to that thinking, uh, do you know what? I'm going to do that straight away. I, th I think that's uh, that's gold. Is that one? Absolute gold. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Look. Um, yeah. Cass, are you known as Cass Casanova Nova? Which is it? Uh, any of them. The people who are, are, yeah, any of them. I think people start out saying Cass, and then, you know, some people just say Casanova, but as time goes on and we become really close, most people, it seems like they transition to Nova. But any of the three, I'm totally okay with. Okay, so Mr. Brooks. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, what I thought is, look, I've, I, you know, I feel like we could talk uh, for hours and hours and hours here. This is this is fantastic stuff. I really do appreciate your time here. But how about we finish up with some quick questions? Yeah, that works for me. Let's do it. All right. So, if I mean, um, JD is going to be a bit young for this, but what about CJ? How would he rate you as a dad? What sort of score do you reckon you get out of ten? I think it depends on the day. Uh, if you if you ask him, right? Uh, yeah, because he's he a very persistent and strong-minded yeah, uh, young fella. So yeah. if he's getting his way, 
right? Then I think that he's going to say I'm a 10. But but I am, you know, I'm tough on him. And, and I'll admit that just because, you know, in this world that we live in today, people with social media and things like that, you got to have a little bit thicker skin. You have to be able to make sure that internally you're confident in yourself. And so I, mm. I, I try to make sure that, that I'm raising him to the best of, of my ability. And so on those days, I think you'd probably say I'm a seven or eight because there's something like if it's a bedtime or if it's some way that I'm trying to get him into structure or some type of a routine that I think that looking at the long term, this is going to help him. Obviously, no kid, you know, seven, eight, nine years old is going to want to hear anything about routine or structure. So yeah. I would say... Most days, though, uh, we're, we're best friends. So oh, I would say he's, cool. he'll probably rate me a, a 9 or a 10. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good, good, is that? Uh, how about staff or colleagues? How would they rate um, you? Yeah, I would, I would say most of them would definitely rate me a 9 or a 10. I think what I always try to just bring to anybody who allows me to is positive energy, a lot of energy. You know, the same thing I'm hoping that your listeners get out of this. You know, if you bring positive energy, what you reap is what or what you the plant, the, the seeds that you plant is what you'll sow back. Right. So you, you have to make sure that if you're putting out positive energy to the world, that you're thinking that it's a long term game. And even in a short term game, as long as you're putting out positive energy, that's what will come back. Fantastic. So what would they say is your best quality? I would say my persistence. I'm very persistent. Uh, just if, if you tell me, if I tell you that I want something, uh, th there's not very many people that can stop me from getting it. So I would say persistence. Uh, well, I think from what you've been describing, you've demonstrated that all your life. So I, I think that's probably, I'd probably agree with that one. Um, here's one for you. Lucky breaks. Do you believe in them or do you think you create them? Um, I, I believe that you create them. I have a, so I have a saying. If you if you've seen my video, I have a saying. It says um, one of my favorite quotes that that. And I was on the phone with a guy one day, and and one of my best friends. And I don't know where it came up, but it it just came out of my mouth. But I said, when hard work meets opportunity, it looks a lot like luck. Right. So I believe that you have to create them, but you have to show up every single day and eventually the opportunity will come. But are you going to be willing to jump on it? Are you going to be willing to go against the masses to make sure that you can seize this opportunity? Because opportunities present themselves every single day to us. We just we, we look at it through social media. You know, some people say, hey, I got this 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 um, program going on. It's discount or I have this a summit going on, whatever it might be. And most people, they, they say, oh, initially the thought you get that dopamine and, and you picture yourself going to that or you picture yourself buying that. But then what happens? You get that little small voice in your head that says, oh, what if it's a scam? Oh, can, am I smart enough to do it? Oh, do I have enough time to do it? All these things that can make you backpedal off of whatever your original gut feeling was. So I feel like if you show up enough and if you focus on seizing the opportunities, in the end, people will wonder how you did it. And it'll look a lot like luck, but it's just because you had hard work and persistence. Yeah, I mean, we're both in, in property, you know, um, and one of the things they always say there is the deal of the century comes along every single day. It's just that 99% of people aren't looking for it, so they never actually see it, but... 
I, th I think it's right. definitely one that opened your eyes and ears uh, to it, and you, you'll see them all over. Um, here we go. If someone was considering joining the dad business, so being a dad and starting their own business, what would be your advice? Would you say yes or no to it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because so what I can speak for is in the U.S., this country is built off of ownership and the tax code is built off of ownership. So you want to be able to leave. So when you start out, everyone starts out building a foundation for themselves. Right. And that foundation is just more so about you and making sure that you're stable enough that you don't your house isn't built on sand or your, your you know, your relationships aren't built on sand. But as time goes older or as time grows older, you start to build a legacy. And that legacy is going to be based off of you owning things because you can't pass down a job. Right. And so you yeah. start in your own business. You can pass down that popcorn business. You can pass down that, you know, T-shirt business or whatever else it is that you're doing. So you have to focus on having something that's tangible. And when we talk about real estate, you can pass down that, you know, commercial property or the residential properties or whatever else that it is. So owning and especially controlling your own time, I would absolutely recommend it all day long because your family will have something to, to live on with after you. Super. Um, how about this? What was uh, or when was the last time that uh, your kids made you laugh? This morning. Excellent. What was it? What happened? Yeah. So my daughter, she's got this. She's coming into her own. So she just thirteen months. She's got this eyebrow uh, thing where she pushes her eyebrows down towards her nose. The moment <laughs> you like call her. And if you startle her by any means, she just looks back and she and she's at the point where like you are not telling her no right now. So <laughs> she was. Yeah. So my wife was leaving out to get ready to take her and my son to school. And she had went to the garage real quick. And uh, my daughter starts. Uh, my daughter starts running behind her, basically. And she's about to start throwing a fit. And I was like, hey, mama. And uh, she turns back around. She gives me that look. And then she just waved her hand like three times, like as in to say, like, don't be calling me. You see, I'm on a mission right now. And so I was just like, and it's just the, the way that kids, they figure out what they're trying to say, but they can't talk right now. So they're using their hand movements. But just the thing that she did, you would have thought that she was 25 years old, the way that she did that. And whatever she was trying to communicate in her mind. It, it was definitely funny to me. So as my wife comes back in, I was like laughing and she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, she really just tried to tell me, mind your own business. I'm, I'm worried about my mom right now. And uh, so, yeah, for me, I, when I see things like that, that's what makes me love it. Because you see that they're growing, they're getting their own personality, they're becoming their own people, person. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And just finally, how do you want your kids to remember you? I want my kids to remember me as a dreamer. And what I mean by that is I never was afraid to go after my dreamer, my dreams. But at the same time, I never was afraid to even believe and dream that it was possible in the beginning. Because so many people, they don't even allow themselves to dream because they're telling themselves that they can't. They, that's not a reality. That's not possible. So I want my kids to know that I was a dreamer, but 
at the end of the day, just like I tell my son all the time, a dream without action is only merely a fantasy. So you still have to be willing to take action every single day to work towards that dream. But don't ever stop dreaming because those of us who dare to dream while the rest of the world is living a nightmare, we stand to gain everything that comes from the spotlight. And what I mean, and, and so let me finish it off. We stand to gain everything that comes from the spotlight. And more importantly, we're able to show others that it's possible. And so what I mean by that is I think of my son right now. He's going through this stage where and walking up to his bedroom, it's kind of a little bit of a long hallway. And so if the lights are off, he has a little bit of a fear there. And he's saying, no, I think I heard something or whatever. So he acts like, he, you know, he doesn't want to go up to, to bed by himself. So then what do I have to do? I have to go up there. I have to turn on the light and I have to show him, hey, there's no one there, right? There's no one in your room. Everything's all clear. You're good. So then he's calm. He'll lay down. He'll go to sleep. Well, there's going to come a time here over the next three to four to five years where his sister's going to go through the same thing. And now at this point, he's going to be that much older. And because I've had to walk him through this so many times, now he's going to be the one who shows his sister, hey, look, there's nothing up here. There's nothing to be afraid of. You're fine just go to sleep so because i dared to dream and i i dared to you know step out and make sure that that i set the right expectation and and, and i showed him a clear path he'll be able to do the same thing for his younger sister and so he'll instill her that it's okay i love it i love it casanova brooks it's been an absolute pleasure and delight to have you here on the dad business i hope you've enjoyed it yeah, I absolutely have. And hopefully one day I will be back again soon. And uh, yeah, just I really appreciate all of your listeners. Um, and, you know, I really appreciate you allowing me to be able to share my story with your listeners. Hey, well, that, that's great. And where's the best place to find out more about you and um, perhaps even where you're speaking? Yeah, so my website, which is CasanovaBrooks.com, C-A-S-A-N-O-V-A, Brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S.com. That's going to be the best place um, to find out more about me and, and the speaking engagements. And you can also connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm on all of those, and uh, I'm pretty accessible. I try to make myself very accessible and just really be able to serve and connect with people however, you know, they see fit and however I can help. But I really appreciate you and I appreciate all of your listeners. Well, thank you very much. And love, our love here from um, the dad business to Julie, CJ and Jada uh, and to yourself. And uh, keep going out there and, and giving this positive message, Casanova. It is wonderful. There's so much in there. I'm going to listen back to this episode because you've given us some real good nuggets and certainly I love the email idea to your own kids with messages, what they've done, what you think of them and all the rest of it. I think that is absolutely priceless. So a huge thank you from us and we will no doubt catch up with you. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a face-to-face -face, uh, chat next time. But for now, uh, on the dad business, this is me, Nigel T. Best, saying thank you very much.